This is The Careful Photograph, and I'm your host, Tara Krainak. This week, my guest is Lorena Molina, and we are taking a closer look at her photograph titled Making Lemons Out of Oranges from her series Something That It's Not Nothing. As always, you can see Lorena's photograph and find links to more of her work on our website and Instagram accounts, thecarefulphotograph.com and at thecarefulphotograph. Lorena Molina is a multidisciplinary artist and educator. She earned her MFA from the University of Minnesota and her BFA from Cal State Fullerton. Lorena has exhibited her work at MoCA Cleveland, Roy G. Biv Gallery, Contemporary Art Center, Cincinnati, and she has performed at the Walker Art Center and the Wiseman Art Museum, among others. She is currently an assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati. Molina writes this of how she sees her role as educator. In the classroom, I help students to understand the way that images are laden with history and vocabulary. Images tell stories, but who gets to tell that story matters. The stories that Lorena's images tell explore political and personal histories, the atrocities of war, the trauma of dislocation, which she describes as making a home in the unwelcoming, what such a home in the margins may look like from her vantage point as a Salvadorian immigrant displaced by civil war. The photo we discuss making lemons out of oranges marks a departure from the highly researched performance-based strategies she has used in previous bodies of work. Here, she embraces a new process-driven and intuitive way of making in the studio. As Lorena and I unravel this singular photograph, we talk about how quarantine and collective grieving opened a space for her as a woman of color to re-examine her current practice and ask this fundamental question. Who am I making work for and why? This question is one that I think we as women of color are constantly asking ourselves. In this case, Lorena brazenly allows herself the decadence and pleasure of making photographs intuitively, as she puts it, a political act itself, noting that some bodies are never allowed this pleasure. Her comment suggests the complex relationship that she has to the photographic medium and the ways that her art can be intimate, difficult, politically charged, and unapologetically playful and beautiful at once. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm Tara Krynak. And this is The Careful Photograph. I'm here today with Lorena Molina. We are talking about her photograph, Making Lemons Out of Oranges, from Something That It's Not Nothing, which is an in-progress series. And it is the last photograph on her website, if you scroll all the way down. But you can see the photograph at thecarefulphotograph.com or on our Instagram page. Um, It's right there for you. So today, I'm starting off a little bit differently than I have in the past episodes. And it is because I really wanted to bring in the voices of my students who have been so um, amazing this semester in thinking about our artists, how to talk about photographs more carefully. And we did an exercise with your photograph, Lorena. Um, I had the students just look at your photograph and write 
detailed descriptions. And so this one description comes from one of my students, Fiona Baylor, and she describes your photograph. And I'm gonna read her description. This piece is very green, a creamy green that isn't super light or super dark. It seems as though there is a green matte fabric or paper as the backdrop. Over that, there is a satiny green fabric as a second backdrop. It has wrinkles all over and fibers that stick out from the sides, looking as if it was torn from a larger piece of fabric. But also, it's very straight, and it doesn't really seem possible. There is a small clear green dish soap bottle at the bottom, sitting on the part of the satin that sits on the flat surface. The bottle casts a shadow onto the satin behind it. The bottle itself is very bright and provides one of the brightest whites in the image. Above it is a branch that has four little balls and many little leaves or quills. It looks like a drawing. It is not really clear if it is real or how it was hung. It reminds me a bit of pine, but I can't place it. The leaves are also scattered on the bottom of the image, some closer to the bottle and a few scattered closer to the lens. Hmm. A lemon is placed to the right of the bottle of the dish soap. It is orange. It is really orange. A hand reaches out from the right-hand side, holding a very yellow lemon. The hand is small, like it could be a child's hand. The hand and lemon cast a shadow on the backdrop. Um, Lorena, would you like to add to that description? To me, I agree with Fiona that you can't quite tell what is in fact an actual object in the photo versus a cutout. And it looks to be all analog, but there also seems to be a few glitches that don't sort of make sense in terms of if, say, that orange against the backdrop is actually a sphere, it would make a different kind of shadow. Like it feels very cut out. So there, there's this, these illusions in, in the photograph that are really hard to describe. Um, so I'm wondering if you want to add to the description or talk a little bit about um, how this photograph was made and the kind of this juxtaposition between what is real, what is cut out, what is a s paper versus an actual object. Um, there's a lot of illusions in space created in this image. And it's really kind of um, to the eye, you can't quite tell. I really love that description. That is a very decadent description <laughs> of the photograph. I can talk a little bit about why I made certain personal choices and, and where this photograph came to be. And uh, and I think, you know, we can and yeah. uh, we can go from there. <laughs> you do you want to um, hear Fiona's questions about your image or do you want to get to those later? Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to hear the questions. Okay, yeah. so her questions are: Is the hand the entity that is creating this composition? In other words, is it the hand of the photographer or the photographed? What is the significance of juxtaposing natural quote natural objects next to a plastic bottle mm -hmm. of soap? Is the green a signifier of what is natural? Oh my God, those are beautiful questions. Okay, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> You know, in this photograph, it's uh, it's called "Making Lemons Out of Oranges," and I, um, for the past four years, I've been thinking a lot about the symbols and markers of home, especially the homes and the margins, and um, and I see the homes at the margins of like as a combination of all the places I have lived, um, and all the places I have loved and been loved, and in this photograph, I'm. Like I am layering photographs along with objects represents, 
you know, like all these places that have a cold home. And um, and yes, you see this photograph, you see this uh, green background with a shiny fabric on top of it. And uh, these fabrics reference other photographs that I've uh, made about the textile industry in El Salvador and about mm. the fabrics that point to the dresses that my grandmother used to make. And so right now I'm really interested in, uh, in my work referencing other work right now as a way to sort of make connections or further the question or make it understand for myself. And... Um, the one thing I will say is that so there's um, so there is this orange and there's this green bottle of dish soap. The branch on top is a is a cypress a, a cypress ball tree and it's a branch of a cypress tree and it has the fruit of it. And I see this I see these trees all around Cincinnati when I walk with my dog. And so I'm like making connections from all the symbols that you know, that make home for me in the margins. So the title comes from like these photographs of the orange and the tree and, and the uh, stitch soap. I made it in my mother's kitchen and the branch I took it, you know, from my the trees in Cincinnati. And um, and the title comes from a different photographs that I took in my and in, in my mom's kitchen and but, but also because my mother likes to mail me boxes of lemons from her lemon tree in California. And, and in this photo, I turned one of the oranges to make it look like a lemon as a way to reference my mother's lemons, as a way to point at the feeling of a home in the margins that is such that all the homes away from home are incomplete, fragmented, put together spaces. It's a very artificial experience. I always mm. like to think of it like a plant that has been uprooted from its perfect conditions that it, and you know, perfect conditions to thrive. It's planted in, in this environment that it was never meant to thrive and you try to make it work. So I see these new homes in the margins, like they try to mimic other places, sometimes forcing it or faking it. And to me, the home in the margins is adapting to the knowing feeling that something will always be missing. But this is a home too. This is my home now. This question about uh, what is real and what is not. And the viewer, like when they just, without knowing this personal information that, that this lemon represents my mother's lemons, all they see is something that looks like or pretends to look like something else. An orange trying to be a lemon, a green fabric mm -hmm. under another shiny green fabric behind a green dish soap it's almost like a mirage and like an object referencing another object but these objects feel fragmented pieced together they have symbols of home and places that we may recognize and like and like and to answer the question about the hand like the beer sees my hand specifically my brown hand is um is being used to uh both introduce a subject which is the lemon but also to add a creator to the still life um it shows that it was not found that this way. It shows that the artist, like me, has something to do with what is being shown and that these clues and symbols are very important clues to a puzzle. One of my students described, and so this is a, another question I think for you is, so one of the students offered an interpretation of the image, which is a kind of, she says, with the use of chroma key green as the backdrop for the four objects, my interpretation has something to do with the objects that are taken from many different environments, and each one could be easily placed into a variety of scenes and settings. <laughs> 
I thought that was actually a really poignant observation in terms of the chroma key green. Can you talk a little bit about that color a little bit more um, and the kind of double meanings behind that color green? I'm sure chroma key green was somewhere in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and But I, I think when I was thinking about this photograph, I was very much thinking about this green dish soap and how <laughs> artificial that green yes, is yeah. <laughs> and how like that is such a symbol of like of home like like growing up this green dish soap was everywhere like it was just like in, in my tias my mom's like everywhere and I was just thinking about creating a space for this bottle and relationship to this fruit and all these other objects um, and I was and I remember thinking about and what's exciting about this work is that I am working very intuitive and very intuitive, which is not usually a way that I work. I usually do a lot of research and I think about something for a very long time <laughs> and then I make a yeah, video yeah. or a performance. And to me in this work, because it's, it's I'm thinking a lot also, I'm thinking about decadence and slowness and pleasure and how like for a very long time I felt like I did not have the luxury to make this work you know like my identity who I am as a brown woman that was displaced because of war because of imperialism and to me I always saw it as like a, my role to sort of make the viewer complicit of, of to understand how they're complicit of the mm -hmm. pain and oppression of others. And uh, what quarantine did is that it made me really sort of analyze like, who am I making work for? And, and what is, who's this work serving? And to me, like, there was just so much suffering and pain and death, and we were all grieving. And I'm always, you know, part of being, uh, this place like it's, you're always grieving for this home you're always grieving for your family you're always grieving for the things you miss for the things that will never be the same and to me this like photographs even though they feel very playful they're um to me they're very political to me to be able to make these photographs that are beautiful no, they're beautiful playful, they're really I think beautiful they're pretty. <laughs> like there's so much pleasure I mean, I was so drawn to this series because yeah. there's so much yeah. vibrant color and you could tell it as a photographer myself, just thinking about how fun these are to make in the studio. And I love the way you describe them as decadent, slow, intuitive. Um, and there's, there is something like when you talk about that you didn't feel that you had the luxury to make this work, um, but quarantine kind of pointed you in a different direction. I love how this work is still emerging. It's still in progress. It's still emerging from who knows where, you know, like I, I think I've, I've experienced quarantine in a similar way. And I think talking to some of the other artists about who we make work for and why as artists of color, we feel this pressure to, I think, even just right out of grad school, just having to have meaning and purpose and to be able to articulate exactly what that meaning and purpose is in these like polished artist statements. And in a way, it's a lot of pressure because as you said, it's like we have this burden of, um, of our work functioning in a certain way in the art world in terms of its role in terms of its role, its function, right? Like that it's hard. I always am like, oh my God, I wish I could just 
forget the pressure of making meaning and just make work. Because I feel like a lot of artists have that freedom and I don't and I always thought that was attached to some kind of something to do with being an artist of color that there's this like it's 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 harder to do that. Yeah. And it's not just giving like our work meeting. We have to like yeah. Double meeting. We have to explain everything. Yes, and yes. Like, like, <laughs> like people always ask, like you know, like what do the mangoes represent? And of <laughs> course, I have very, like very specific reasons why I'm using um, certain objects. But um, it's it's almost like we have to give this very specific meeting. We have to explain every choice. We're giving language to the viewer that they don't have because. Uh, for some reason they have decided not to learn this language because when you think about like Pablo Picasso like we're not born <laughs> learning how to like decipher those paintings you know like yes, yes, like yes. we don't know like we don't we don't uh we we don't understand cubism but it's taught at schools as this language that is learned and it's this language that viewers like art viewers have and so they're they're able to see this this cubism this painting based on cubism they're like oh pablo picasso and they reference all these other things but when they see a work of artists co of color they're just sort of like lost and they're like tell me what it means tell me everything tell me what <laughs> all these symbols mean and like and then we have to like do this double labor of like uh, maybe triple labor of not only come up with the work coming up with the meeting but making this meeting understandable for people that don't or this historical knowledge like sometimes I'm giving history lessons to everybody that is like looking at my work and as a way for them to understand the context of where why the work was made right I think um this is again this has come up with every artist that I've spoken with so far and I think um Mercedes Doremi talks about how she's oftentimes her role as a cultural representative overtakes her role as an artist and that she's, she would like to be treated as an artist first sometimes in certain contexts, but she has to sort of represent her culture. Um, and so there's this almost dual, um, this double-edged I guess pressure, right? To to do both, but then she was like, ah, sometimes I just want to talk about the art. So I love. I want to sort of allow you then to talk more about the decadence of these and maybe the titles too. Something that it's not nothing is very mysterious to me, and you don't have to explain it. I think. Um, but if you want to open up further questions for us, or um, I think that would be interesting too. I was just thinking about uh, when I was when I started making these photographs because they are very playful, and I I don't want to remove like the political aspect of these photographs because me even making a beautiful photograph is a political. Uh, choice like and and i can't remove my identity from these photographs i can't remove my brown hand and what it represents you know like it's literally picking a fruit and like and then it makes it makes you think about mm -hmm. migrant mm -hmm. workers and how capitalism exploits brown labor uh 
clean up for these fruits and these objects and these items that we take for granted every day. Like we don't think about the exploitation that has gone into this fruit, uh, into the picking of this fruit. So like, yes, uh, even as I'm thinking about this almost like luxurious photograph as this very decadent photograph, I, I cannot remove all those things that I'm thinking about and all those politics that these uh, that these objects carry. But the topic, like something that is not nothing, it to me it was almost like when I was making these photographs, because it was a new way of making work, but something <laughs> that is not nothing, like reference me trying to make something, but also this idea of like the home in the margins. It's this like piece together place. It's like mimicking other places. Something is always missing. It just feels like fragmented. And to me saying like, this place is enough, this fragmented place, even though it will always be pointing somewhere else this place is not nothing it's something you know and this is like the place that I can call my own all these photographs are around grief like I made them during a pandemic as people are dying I'm I'm you know I I cannot separate the context of the times that were made but like me I I've always you know when I was an undergrad I was always like inserting myself in my photographs and my undergrad professor who's amazing she was like oh you should do performance work and I was like um like I was like what <laughs> like I was just like horrified and terrified and just really mm-hmm. scared of this idea not knowing that she knew very well where my work was gonna go later on <laughs> but she was like yeah these photographs are very performative for the camera like you're performing for the camera and mm-hmm. uh and it's something that I still very much do to this day a lot of the work in the beginning was coming from this place of anger and this thing that I felt that I lacked. And then I moved to Cincinnati after, after like, if I'm being honest, like a, a difficult divorce and which is another way of being removed from this, this thing that I consider my home. And I started to thinking a lot about how actually, even though the margins, uh, represent like where like violence and pain happens. The reason why I'm in the margins is because I was displaced. The reason why I'm in the margins is because we live in a white supremacist society. The reason why I'm in the margins is because I am away from my family, multiple reasons. But then I started thinking about the margins as a place for where also I can resist and dream and heal. And potentially it's a place that it keeps me safe. It's a place that I get to keep myself, a place where I get to keep my accent and where I don't have to whitewash myself or assimilate. And I find this like duality really important and really rich. And I sometimes like people sort of criticize me for me um, almost romanticizing the margins. But to me, like to me, the center is white supremacy. To me, the center is like trying to be in this place that doesn't want me. And I actually don't want to be there. But I'm thinking, I think of the margins as a place where I get to keep myself. Like I don't have to continually trying to assimilate myself. And to me, the home in the margins is this like place where it's it's a combination of all the places I have called home. And um and I see it as this, like, again, like this fragmented place or this like put together place that I'm just like, I'm, you know, like my home in the margins is like, it's, it's combined for El Salvador, California, like Minnesota, New York, and now Cincinnati. And it's me like sort of, it's like my home in the margins combination with all those places I have lived. Thank you. That is 
I just feel like that was a really powerful part of this conversation, just thinking about what the margins mean to you. And so I think maybe trying to grow from there or transition, I'm thinking about other artistic influences. And I've, I've been looking at your work a lot lately in the last, I would say, three years. I, I just discovered it three years ago and I thought, why haven't I seen this work before? Why has it been hidden from me? And I started thinking about it in relationship to Anna Mendieta's work. And Anna Mendieta is an artist who I think has been really influential to my practice. And there is a relationship between what you're talking about in terms of um, the home in the margins and the way that Anna Mendieta talks about exile Mm-hmm. and her work as coming from this place that is trying to understand what it means to be in exile. Yeah, no, Anda Vendetta is like close to my heart. It's like, it's always, I always, I, I, even as I find other artists that I connect with, like I always keep going back to this work. And um, the first time that I saw, um, actually the only time I've seen this work in an exhibition and not just online was I, I, I went to Cuba in 2017, um, right before the border was, uh, the traveling there was closed. And I just had this like almost like, spiritual experience. Cause I, people kept always talking about Ana Mendieta and my work. And I definitely knew that my work was inspired, you know, by it either directly or indirectly. And a lot of it, the work that I that I was for during my thesis show, I was I created this body of work called um, Collective Trauma, in which is why like it's one of the first times that I was thinking about what does it mean to witness the pain of others and how do you make the viewer complicit of these actions or or like active active in these um, and the act and active in the act of witnessing and mm. and. I was looking at her work and what I loved about it is like the way she, uh, the way she inserts her body within the land, but also like these very powerful, simple gestures, like the performance where she cuts the chicken head mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like and she's just like gently marking this yes. like white wall with the blood. And it's just a very gentle gesture. And in this photograph, she's like referencing Santeria and she's like marking the wall with the blood. And just as this way of sort of uh, mark this wall with this history, with the death of this chicken, I definitely, Ana uh, Medieta, in, in very direct or indirect ways, is always influencing my work. I see that connection between your performance work, which I think deals very directly with these painful and difficult histories and this newer work which i think is still almost you you can still sense this this um loss but it's not as direct as the performance work there's a piece in this series that is called is my trauma the only thing you wish to consume and yeah and i'm just thinking you know like i'm just thinking I'm constantly thinking my role as an artist and like, who am I making work for? And, um, and like, how do you not make a spectacle out of trauma? And like, Mm -hmm. and I think like 
the reason why I'm so nervous about the spectacle is I think it's one of the reasons why I've always done one-to-one performances or like I create this mm-hmm. intimacy because mm-hmm. I'm just like walking the threshold and like how do you talk about trauma and oppression? How do you talk about this very difficult history that I think are important to talk about without making a spectacle out of it? And it's just really complicated. And I'm and I'm always just thinking about like, I'm thinking about all of this. I'm thinking like why certain institutions want to show my work. I know what they want, mm-hmm. like, you know. I remember when I was in grad school and like, I had like white male classmates that would make work mm-hmm. about process. And I'm like, oh, yeah, how nice, yeah. like how nice, like how nice, like you are, you get to make this work about process, which is is interesting. It is interesting, but I'm like, like they don't have to think about their identity. They don't have to think about like their weight of their identity or they choose to not think about the weight of their identity and how that influences their work. And I remember thinking like, like, how just I just didn't have the luxury to make work art for art's sake like you know I just don't have that and to me like these photographs they feel like luxurious because I even though that I am referencing very uh uh very political ideas about displacement and home like I am playing as well and I am trying to make a decadent Mm -hmm. photograph and I am Mm -hmm. trying to like create this like uh just enjoyable experience while I make work because to me that seems like valid as well I feel like this series is sort of coming at a pivotal time in your art making in your practice and it it is it seems like the beginning of something really exciting yeah and to me like I was excited but the challenge of talking about this photograph just because like it is very different of the way that I make work and Mm -hmm. i knew that i have made it very intuitively very intuitive uh but i um i didn't have all the answers and it was a really good exercise for me to sort of sit down and think about this photograph and write about it more like yeah and i think um just to uh build off of what you're saying in terms of just learning more about your own work by talking about it (laughs) yeah i i do feel that i I chose this because it's so different and because it could be a singular image, whereas a lot of your other work is not. And so you have taught me a lot about how to talk about something that's still very much in progress, right? How to, how to, I I feel like I learned so much about where you are and what's going on in your practice and just from this one photograph. Okay, so this is a prompt assignment for my students. So I am, um, and I'm gonna um, read it because I spent, <laughs> I wanted to get yeah. this assignment right. Um, okay. But I, I wrote this assignment for students and I recently also wrote it for my students as well. And, uh, and the reason is because I, from the, you know, the first week of my class, we talk about uh, Ariela Sula's reading um, about how you can't separate photography from imperialism. You can't separate technology and all this and how all this uh, social and historical things that had to happen in order for photography to be invented. And every reading after that goes really, it's very critical of photography, goes really hard on photography. And <laughs> and is and is and that's where we start in my classes. We start we start talking about how you can't separate photography from imperialism. 
And mm-hmm. so I, I was thinking about like how photography is a complicated medium and it is embedded and tangled in almost every facet of our life. Uh, but we also can't deny the ways in which photography has been a tool of like misrepresentation, imperialism, colonization, and racism. But yet, as we like continue to be critical and demand better for photography, I also want us to think about the following. What are the ways in which photography is a loving practice? Um, can tenderness still exist in photography, even with his own complex history and contemporary practices? Many of our early memories of photography are with people, with the people we love and feel close. A lot of our happy mm-hmm. memories are intertwined with the medium. Photography will and has documented the images that will outlive us as proof that we lived a good life, as proof that we love and we were loved. And love as a concept is also complicated and not an easy sentiment. Love is active, a vulnerable experience, yet it also holds people and institutions accountable. Love is where power is negotiated. Love fights back for ourselves and for the values we believe in. So for this exercise, I'm asking you to think about the ways in which photography is a loving practice in your life. Um, many of us decided to continue our studies of photography because we feel connected and love the medium. I recommend that you use a journal to write the ways in which photography can serve as an act of love in your practice. Uh, you are welcome to use photographs on your archive, take new photographs, or use other people's photographs. And then the second part of this assignment is that um, I want you to use text that goes along with the images. Uh, the text can add a narrative, add context, complicate or enrich the photograph. It's important that you think about the relationship between image and text and the way that the both support each other and that the image is not secondary or overpowered by the text, just like any other healthy relationship. Um, mm. So this is the assignment that I have and I'm excited to see what everybody comes up with. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I'll uh, be in touch. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I've really, uh, I'm really thankful to be part of this series and, and uh, I'm excited to hear everybody else's episodes.